The epistle lesson is from Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Imagine for a moment that when you were a kid, a little kid, you had a really rich uncle who left you a beautiful, pristine Ford Mustang, a Mustang convertible, ready for you to drive when you turn 16 years old or whatever it might be. And as a little kid, you're thinking to yourself, I can't wait, can't wait to drive that car. And so I'm going to learn how to drive. I'm going to try and figure out how to drive right now. And so here's what you do to try to learn how to drive. Every evening, you turn on the TV and you search for a demolition derby. You go looking for demolition derbies to learn how to drive. After all, there's folks out there driving around their cars. Maybe that's how you should learn how to drive. And in fact, you will learn some things about driving by watching a demolition derby. You'll learn about going forward and backward and turning to the left and right. You'll learn what happens when you hit other cars, but, but you, will not learn. you will not learn how to drive. You'll certainly not learn how to handle that Ford Mustang well, how to treat it the way it deserves, how to treasure it the way your uncle meant for you to treasure it. Insofar as watching demolition derbies teaches you something about driving, it's only, it's only because the design of cars is so good that they can't help but go forward and backward. They can't help but turn left and right. But a demolition derby is not going to teach you anything. Not going to teach you anything in reality about driving that Mustang. I want you to hold that picture in mind, not just today, but in the weeks ahead. I want you to hold that picture in mind as a picture of how we learn about marriage, how we learn about marriage. Marriage in the world, and you know this, is like watching a demolition derby. It's a wreck. You can see it all around you, on the news, on TV shows, in friends and families, even in your own lives. You can see how marriage isn't what it's supposed to be, and so often it is something far opposite of what it should be. It's a wreck. The world makes a wreck of marriage. Now, before I get any further into this, I want to make a point that's really important for all of us to bear in mind, and it's this, that marriage matters. Marriage matters not just for the married. Marriage matters whether you are unmarried, whether you will be married, whether you have been married, or whether you are married right now. It matters to everybody for several reasons. In the first place, it matters 
because it is the basic building block of our world. How marriage goes in our world determines how life goes for our world. You can see this in societies around the globe. When marriage breaks down, society breaks down. And so marriage matters to everybody for reasons of just basic right and wrong. What is good? What is wholesome? What is helpful? What benefits humanity? Marriage matters for that reason. But marriage also matters to everyone for a more important reason, which is lost on the world and also lost on many Christians. Marriage matters because it is a picture of the gospel. How we think about marriage directly influences how we think about our relationship with Jesus. You heard it in our epistle lesson today from St. Paul. Marriage is a mystery. It's a mystery in this way, that it's a reflection of Jesus' love for us, his bride, the church. So how we think about marriage influences how we'll think about his love for us and our love for him. If we are confused about that, if we get that wrong, if we let the world make a wreck of it in our minds, then we will also confuse the gospel. You can see how true this is in our lesson today. Look at Jesus coming to the wedding at Cana in Galilee. Now, often this lesson is used to show that Jesus loves weddings, so much so that he's willing to provide all the wine that they need to have a good party. But there's something more basic going on or something at a lower level than that going on. Where did Jesus come from? He came from his heavenly father. He left behind his heavenly father. And in John 2 today, he's also leaving behind his mother. He doesn't call her mother. What does he call her? Woman. Woman, what does this have to do with me? Jesus leaves behind his father and his mother. Why? To hold fast to his wife, his bride, the church. That's us. Jesus leaves heaven and he leaves behind his earthly mother so that he can be wedded to us, so that he can give his life to us the way a good husband gives his life to his wife. He clings to us, and we become one flesh. That is, our life is bound up with his. If that picture is not clear, if how we understand marriage is unclear, then we will lose sight so easily of the love that Jesus has for us and the love that we ought to return to him. So bear that in mind. Marriage matters, and I'll show you along the way why it matters so much. But don't forget, regardless of where you are in life, marriage matters to all of us. Now, the world makes a wreck of marriage, and that's no mystery. Uh, I was looking at some of the historical events, some of the political and social things that have happened recently. Maybe you saw in the news, back in December, President Biden signed into law the Respect for Marriage Act, which really demands that states everywhere, every state has to acknowledge marriage as appointed by other states. So if one state says this is marriage, then every other state has to acknowledge it. That includes, even if it's not really marriage, like homosexual marriage or marriage between, I don't know, a man and his dog. If one state says it's marriage, then everybody else has to say it's marriage. That's making a wreck of marriage. It goes back further than that. You remember not that long ago when the Supreme Court decided, in that case, Obergefell, that gay marriage would be legal in all 50 states. 2015, I think it was. Or you go back further than that. I was reading about divorce laws in our country. It's really only recently, only recently, that no-fault divorce has become the law of the land. 1974, in Minnesota, no-fault divorce became the law. 
which is to say that no longer is there any sort of legally binding character to marriage. You can dissolve it at will. You can say, we have irreconcilable differences, we mutually agree to disagree, and we aren't married any longer. Interestingly, it was uh, then-Governor Ronald Reagan of California who introduced the first no-fault divorce law in the state of California in 1969, which he said, which he said was one of the biggest political mistakes he had ever made. That has done more to undermine marriage in our country than a lot of other things. But of course, it goes back further than that. Feminism has undone all of the differences, tried to undo all of the differences between men and women, the differences that we know so clearly, biologically, by nature, tried to undo those things. Or go back even further, before abortion, before the current state of the world concerning children, children were thought of as optional accessories to marriage, as opposed to the fruit of marriage, the one flesh that comes out of marriage. You can see, you can see in history what a wreck the world makes of marriage. But of course, it's not just in our recent history, it's not just in the last hundred years in America, the world has always been making a wreck of marriage. After all, if it weren't the case, then Paul would not have had to write what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 5. If everyone understood, if everyone loved, what is good about marriage, Paul wouldn't have had to say any of those things. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, give up your lives for your wives. He wouldn't have had to say it. The world has been making a wreck of marriage for a long time, all the way back, in fact, to the fall into sin. Genesis chapter 3, you can go that far. You know the story. Eve took the fruit at the suggestion of the devil. And when God asked Adam why they had fallen into sin, why is it that you know you're naked? Why have you eaten this fruit? What did Adam say? It was her. She did it. Blaming the woman. The first breakdown in marriage. The first wreck of marriage. What should Adam have done? Basically anything besides that. He should have died for his wife. He should have died for his beloved. And instead, the world made a wreck of marriage. Now, the problem we face right now in our world is that we have grown so used to it, so accustomed to it. It is as though we have just been watching demolition derbies our whole lives long, and that's all we think. Marriage is a demolition derby. That's a real problem that we face in the church and in the world. It's hard to recover. It's hard to get back. But the good news for us today is very simple. It is this, that although the world makes a wreck of marriage, marriage does not belong to the world. Marriage belongs to God. Marriage is not some good idea that the world spun up and now it's just sort of gone awry, but marriage belongs to God. It was his idea, in fact, an idea that he had before the fall into sin. This is significant. A lot of things in this life are provisional. That is, they come into being after the fall into sin. They come into existence because we need help in the face of sin. But that's not true of marriage. God instituted marriage before the fall into sin. Adam was alone, and no helper could be found for him. And so God made Eve out of the rib from his side. And Adam said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, because God had given him a helper fit for him. It's God's idea. It's God's creation. It's God's good gift to the world. And that means it does not belong to the world. However much a wreck the world wants to make of it, it doesn't make a difference. It's God's gift. And so it is a treasure. 
It's like that Ford Mustang. It's a treasure. In spite of what everybody else does to their cars, it's still true. We have this gift. You don't have to treat it that way. You can treat it like the gift that it is. Now, if it belongs to God, that means that it does not belong to the government. Marriage does not belong to the government. The government doesn't get to decide what is and isn't marriage. But at the same time, it's important to know, this is often misunderstood, it's important to know that our government sanctions marriage. Government is the authority that God has instituted in order to define or to authorize marriage. So here's a fact that is often overlooked, often not known. When I perform a wedding in this sanctuary, it is not because I'm a pastor. It's not because God has authorized me to join two people together. The only reason I can perform weddings in the state of Minnesota is because the state of Minnesota has said that I can. If I tried to perform a wedding without the state of Minnesota's authorization or any of you stood up and tried to perform a wedding, it wouldn't be a marriage. It'd be something else. It would be some promises, great promises, but it wouldn't be a wedding. Because finally, what matters for a marriage is that it is a public institution. It can't be just a private thing. That's why there's no such thing, although a lot of people want this to be the case in the Christian church. There's no such thing as a, church, uh, a marriage in the eyes of God, just in the eyes of God. There's either marriage or there isn't. There's either a wedding or it's not a wedding. And so the state, while it's not the owner of marriage, the state authorizes marriage. It has to be public. There has to be a marriage license. There has to be a certificate so that everyone can know that this is something that is public and open, something that matters, something that is finally instituted by God. Marriage doesn't belong to the world, but God uses the state to authorize it. Now, not only does marriage not belong to the world, not belong to the state, it also doesn't belong to the couple who are getting married. This is another really common misunderstanding. It makes a lot of sense. After all, what is it that brings two people together in order to get married. It is their love for one another. Often, romance, often feelings of butterflies and happiness and hope and dreams and promises and commitment to one another, those are the things that bring two people together. Nevertheless, marriage does not belong to those two people. Two people cannot decide to get married just because they want to. It has to come from outside of them. It has to come from outside of them. That's why God says what God has joined together let not man put asunder. That is, marriage is not just like every other contract in our world. So suppose that you sign a contract with somebody for, to buy their Ford Mustang. So you sign on the dotted line and you agree, this is how much I'm gonna pay for their Ford Mustang and they're gonna give me the Ford and this is gonna be a great deal. And then at the end of the day, you change your mind. You say, you know what, I don't want that car anymore. And you sit down with the guy who's gonna sell it to you and you say, can we, can we just you know, cut this contract off. We're going we're gonna to negate this contract, void it. It doesn't count anymore. And that guy can look at you and say, yep, that's just fine. We'll void this contract because there's a contract just between the two of you. Well, that's not how it is for marriage. Marriage doesn't belong to the couple. It's not just between two people, but it is God who joins those two people together, which is why it can't just be a matter of two people signing a contract or voiding a contract. It's a contract that God himself is attaching promises and blessings too. This is why Jesus talks about divorce so obviously in our Gospels. He talks about it because it's not something that we just get to decide. It's something that matters 
from God's perspective. That matters for the whole world. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Marriage belongs to God. That's the starting place here. Marriage belongs to God. And so if we want to learn about marriage, we cannot look to the world. We cannot look to what the world does. It's like watching a demolition derby. Instead, we have to start with what God says, with what God's word teaches us. President Biden recently, in reference to the Respect for Marriage Act, tweeted a tweet. I don't know what you call it. He tweeted a tweet about marriage. He said, marriage is a simple proposition. This is really interesting. He said, marriage is a simple proposition. Who do you love and will you be loyal to the person you love? Who do you love and will you be loyal to the person you love? Now that sounds pretty good. That fits hand in glove with the way our world thinks about things. Love is love is love. Love is good. Love is what makes the world go wrong. All we need is love, right? Who do you love? But it does not reckon with this fact, that not all love is the same. Not all love is the same. A father's love for his son is different from one friend's love for another, which is different from the love of a husband for a wife. Not all love is the same. And moreover, it is possible, and given our sinful world and the wreck it makes of marriage, it is possible and likely that, marriage gets, that love gets disordered that love actually turns evil, that we love the wrong things or that we love them in the wrong way. And so it's not just a simple question of who do you love? Instead, here's the question. St. Paul answers it in Ephesians chapter 5. What is marriage? What is the kind of love that appears in marriage? It's like this. It's the kind of love that leads wives to submit to their husbands. It's the kind of love that leads husbands to lay down their life for their wife. That's the kind of love we are talking about in marriage. It is not simple in this way, just who do you love and will you stay with that person? Instead, this is the proposition of marriage. Is it the kind of love that God wants to give to us? This is the key, as we tie everything together, this is the key. The love that is exhibited in marriage, the love that a husband and a wife have for one another, the love that God intends for them, that is the kind of love that saves the world. It's the kind of love that saves the world. It saves the world in this way because it properly orders society. When husbands and wives love each other according to God's word, the world works better. Society works better. But that kind of love saves the world even more in this way because it is is the love that God has for us. Jesus lays down his life for us. He is the one true good husband who gives up his life for his bride, the church. And we, the church, should aspire always to be the one true bride who trusts and submits gladly to our saving husband. That's why this love saves the world. That's why this love matters so much. That's why marriage matters so much. It's the reason why I'm going to spend the next few weeks talking a little bit more about marriage, some of the ways that we learn about marriage from God's word. We should start in this way, not looking at what the world says about marriage, but instead asking, what does God say about it? And here's the hope for Christians like us in a place like this, in a church like this. Here's the hope. When we listen to God, when we take his cue, when we follow his commands, when we hope in his blessings and promises, the sky is the limit. It is only goodness all the time. It is only blessings and never curses. 
It is only help and hope and a future when we listen to God. And so that's what we're going to do. To choose the opposite, to choose to follow the world, is to choose a demolition derby. And that's not what we want. That's a path that leads straight to hell, and it is no good for any of us. And so, rejoice that God has taught us what is good, that God teaches us about marriage. Let us learn to praise God for this beautiful gift. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.